All right. And we're <laughs> rolling. How are you doing today, Sayward? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I uh, went for a seven mile run, like I was just telling you mm-hmm. before, like literally right before the podcast. <laughs> I came back, showered, got ready real quick. And uh, I feel relaxed and I don't know, like it, it's been a while since I've ran that that much. Mm-hmm. So I feel just calm. I feel whew, like everything's just. Whew. Okay. I feel like this whole topic is going to make you not calm. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can change that real fast, but <laughs> at least you got a little bit. Well, let's, let's ease into it a little okay. bit. Yeah. That yeah. works with me. Yeah. So <laughs> tell me about yourself first. Um, you went to college around here, right? I actually went to West Virginia University. Okay. Um, I'm from Wisconsin, and I originally went there for forensic science. Mm. Um, but then I decided that I just really liked all of my chemistry classes. And then at one point, I was like, what do I do with chemistry? Like, <laughs> it seems like an easy answer, but I was like, I want to be passionate about what I'm doing. I know I like chemistry, but how do I apply that? And so... I ended up taking an environmental chemistry class, um, and I also did my senior capstone on DDT, which I know is, like, very well-known. Um, I'm sorry. Well, you're going to have to explain that. Okay. Um, this is a very dumb podcast. <laughs> you're talking to an idiot. <laughs> okay. So, DDT was popular in the 70s. It was used um, – in the Vietnam War or like World War Two, and basically it's a pesticide. Mm. Um, like Agent Orange? Yes. Um, and so obviously we know the fallout of that and it's like really harmful to the human body. So that has a carbon chlorine bond and PFAS has a carbon fluorine bond. So it's very similar. Um, and so that's kind of where I got my start in this whole general like persistent organic pollutants um and then i graduated in may 2020 what a time to <laughs> from <graduate>. my house <laughs> what, what was that like were you were you happy about that or did no. you want to walk um yeah i didn't i basically spent my senior year the end of my senior year in my parents basement oh my gosh um <laughs> it was not good. I uh, didn't enjoy it, especially because I got I missed out on like saying goodbye. I went on spring break and then they were like, don't come back. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I, I did not. Wouldn't recommend. Um, and I got to walk a year later. So last May now I got to walk. So that was fun, but it wasn't with everyone that mm. I got to actually like spend my time in college with so it was, it was definitely weird and hard um and obviously living with your parents as a 21 year old and spending your 22nd birthday alone oh my gosh <laughs> um yeah so it was a lot but about like four or five months after I found my job that I have here now in Holt um in PFAS with FiberTech Environmental, and I've been there ever since, and I really enjoy it. What do you do there? Um, so <laughs> a lot. We prep. The whole company does all kinds of various environmental testing. Um, we have a wet chem department, semi-volatiles, which is the department that I'm in, and a volatiles department. And so volatiles test for, like, air pollutants. Um, semis does things that are sometimes air, sometimes water, soil, all sorts of things. Uh, we do the same thing for PFAS. Um, we're not into air yet, um, but we test in soil and water and basically we have to. Are you testing like local soil and water? Um, it's mostly around Michigan. Okay. But yeah, uh, most of our clients are around this area just because like we're, there's chain labs that people will like ship like hundreds of miles to get their stuff tested there wow. but um they're all they're also going to be cheaper but you know a lot of our people a lot of our clients say that they like us because you know we're it's more direct one-on-one and we work with the clients in order to so clients are they like homeowners are they people who own businesses <laughs> what are what are they um it's a little of everything we work with 
um, like various townships. So okay. we get like uh, contracts with various cities, city, or like this township. Okay. Uh, we also have a lot of landfills on our clientele list, and then we also have like environmental groups <laughs> that oh. basically are like the middlemen between someone who doesn't know what they're doing. They find these people and they're like, please help me. And they're like, okay, we use fiber tech. We're going to send these samples to them. And then when we get the results, we'll explain it to you. Mm. Um, and so I would say that that's like the big, um, that's the majority of what we do. Um, there's also um, individual people that do that. So uh, there's like someone who had a house fire and they wanted to know, oh, like, can you test our surfaces for PFAS because it's in firefighting foam? And we're like, well, we don't do that, but maybe we can figure it out for you. Um, whereas a and lot of... Are there places that do that? Eh, probably not. Oh. Um, there's probably other places that would say as well, like, we don't do that, but we could maybe figure it out. Um, they do surface testing for other contaminants. Um, like even FiberTech does, but we haven't done it for PFAS. And so we were kind of like, well, we're not sure how exactly we would go about this, but something we could definitely, you know, work on for you. Um, and that's something that these big chain labs, they're just going to say, no, we don't do that. Sorry. Find someone else. Um, wow. But, yeah. So you've become <laughs> pretty passionate about the environment, I'm sure, since you yeah. started working this job. I, yeah. I mean, I always have. Been, yeah. But – Definitely learning more about PFAS has, I knowing all of the ins and outs about it has definitely led me to care a lot. <laughs> mm. This episode is brought to you by Red Bike Delivery. This delivery service operates only using battery-powered, eco-friendly transportation. Red Bike Delivery is there for all your delivery needs, whether it's dinner for the family, flowers for your partner, or new house plants for your new collection. Red Bike Delivery will gladly deliver those and everything in between. So what are you waiting for? Check out Red Bike Delivery on Facebook or Instagram for more information. Red Bike Delivery, because there's only one Earth. What kind of things do you see that you don't like? Obviously contaminants, people dumping stuff in... Yeah. On, <laughs> all around on the Earth. <laughs> uh, the slowness of legislation is mm -hmm. definitely... Something that I, I wish. What kind of legislation would you like to see passed? I think more preventative rather than regulatory. And so um, we have, the U.S. government has banned the production of two of the compounds. Um, but there's um, up to 6,000 variations and they're not regulating them until after they come out onto the market and have become a problem. Mm. It's like just we, we know that it's probably an issue. So just say you can't make them. What are they using them for? Oh, <laughs> literally every single thing. Um, and so this everything, is everything like what makeup it's in your food, food wrappers, your clothing, furniture, paint, pans, it's in your water and your soil. What chemicals are these? Um, so it is <clears throat> per and polyfluorinated substances. Per means um, many and no. Yes. Uh, or per is like completely full of and poly is many. Fluorinated obviously has a fluorine atom on a carbon chain. And so... Uh, when you see those little squiggles of like on the little diagrams, that's your carbon chain. And on every single one of them, they don't have hydrogens. They only have fluorines. Um, but if you were to take away one fluorine and add in a hydrogen, that's a brand new compound. And that's an unregulated compound. Mm. So it's doing the exact same thing, but you can call it a different name. Wow. <laughs> And so, like, oh, we, let's just add one more carbon. Let's just add one more carbon. And so there's chains. You It ranges from 2 to 14-ish carbons and, like, 
changed the angle of a different one. And, and there's no way to make like that illegal. It's, I mean, it, it's, a, it's happening. It's just a really slow process. Yeah. Um, is there a way to make things like makeup, clothing, all that jazz without, without that? Um, so the usage is for basically anything that is water resistant, stain resistant, fire resistant. That is all PFAS. Um, and it is the most, it's cheap to make and there's things that you could replace it with, but they're not going to work as well. Um, like what? (laughs) That I'm not totally sure of, but, um, I mean, trying to think of like anything that was before this has become really popular Mm, um was there anything like fire water stain resistant before like the 50s probably i'm sure there was yeah (laughs) there's probably some way that you could come up with something that would work similarly but not as well yeah Um, and i don't i don't know what that is (laughs) fair enough that's a fair enough answer yeah um but yep so teflon was the main um, start of PFAS and so and it, when you go out and you buy pots and pans and it says no PFOA no PFOS that's because of all of this and like Teflon being they're like well it's, it's totally fine and safe as long as you don't overheat it and you don't scratch it so th- there's really <laughs> no way to avoid it no there's no. not like I mean you're you're obviously kind of <laughs> against it but there's no way you can actively avoid it not it's anymore. in your a- everyday life not anymore, no. And yeah. even if you as a consumer were to actively like try really hard, like, oh, I'm not going to purchase anything. You're going to live it. off the grid. Um, <laughs> it's even like if they don't, if these uh, manufacturers aren't disposing of their waste properly, like DuPont did in um, between the 70s and the 90s, it ends up getting into the groundwater and then you can um, use activated carbon in order to kind of at least sequester PFAS out of your water. But now what do you do with that activated carbon? Mm. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> they are known Very as forever chemicals. They are wow. never going away. Um, There's no way to dig it out of the soil and replace it with fresh, clean soil. I don't know how much fresh, clean soil there is. Mm. <laughs> um, 3M, Are you saying we've just ruined this earth? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I told you, this is not going to be a lighthearted podcast. <laughs> um, 3M, another uh, chemical company, tried doing a study, and they were looking for a control group of blood that has never, that doesn't have any PFAS in it. And the only blood they could find on the planet was... Um, uh, was archived blood from before the Korean War. Wow. <laughs> like, they were testing infants and people in, like, remote remote parts of Asia and Africa. No. Wow. <laughs> so, it's everywhere. Um, it's in our rainwater. It's in, like, really? remote areas. Yeah, it's, it's everywhere. It's really, really messed up. So, that's why I'm like, I want more action. Like, uh, they've banned the production of two of the 6,000 compounds. Wow. So <laughs> so what could be done? I mean, what could possibly be done? I mean, everything's made with it. Yeah. I mean, it's literally yeah. in everything like you just said. So what could be done? I don't have that answer. Um, all I know at this point is basically to contact your like representatives and get them to... I guess in in the ideal world, they would ban any perfluorinated compounds. Um, but they would have to have they they would have to replace it with something, right? Probably, yeah. yeah. Um, and it would end up being like really not detrimental to our way of life, but like think of your life without like stain free couches or. I don't know if people would like that. I, they wouldn't. <laughs> like, it, it's not going to, 
you know, you kind of have to weigh the pros and cons. Oh, I'll probably get cancer from sitting on this couch, but mm. <laughs> it won't get stained. <laughs> Is that true? You can get cancer from sit- sitting on a couch? <laughs> it's an exaggeration. Yeah. Yeah. But the chance is greater than zero. Yeah. Um, and also not, it's not just the couch. It's, it's everything. Um, so it bioaccumulates. We can't, pro- it doesn't break down. We can't process it in our bodies. So you sit on a couch once. Okay. Yeah. You're probably fine. You sit yeah. on a couch a million times. Okay. Yeah. That, that's if you, if you <laughs> sit on the couch or sleep on the couch all day long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, chances are higher. And you're drinking water and eating food and wearing clothes on that couch. Mm-hmm. So that's where it's all coming from is that it's. This is off <laughs> off subject. And I, but it's kind of funny to me when, <laughs> when you, when you hear people who like smoke and they're like, well, my grandpa smoked for 60 years and never got lung cancer. Like I'll be fine. Yeah. Like it doesn't work like that. <laughs> No, um, definitely not. And and also the fact that, like, some of these have really low, low levels. Um, the line workers at DuPont had so much cancer. And so, like, all the pregnant women were give, giving birth to babies with birth defects. And it, it they basically... Um, they knew that they weren't supposed to be doing it. They, they hid it from the EPA um, in order to keep making it because they were making so much money. Yeah. Um, Teflon profits were about a billion dollars every year for that company. Um, In the end, they settled their class action lawsuit with 671 million. Wow. So like not nothing. Yeah, that's nothing. <laughs> that's insane. For all these people's lives and livelihoods and you know, this was happening in rural West Virginia, which is another reason why I am definitely passionate about it is knowing the all of the craziness that's happened in West Virginia and the injustices that kind of happen just because it's a very poor yeah. area. Especially with like the coal mines too, mm-hmm. right? The coal mines and then that's when the drug um, epidemic hit and yeah. yeah. It's everything. They've like, been hit pretty hard. <laughs> and so it's just like, it's just one more thing. And I'm like, you are taking advantage of these people. Um, and it obviously they knew exactly what they were doing. Um and so the movie Dark Waters, it came out in 2019. It has Mark Ruffalo starring in it as the environmental lawyer that takes on this case. He's kind of just like appeasing this farmer that has come to him. And this farmer's like, all of my cows are dying. They have massive tumors on them. And he's like, okay, yeah, sure, sure. And he kind of starts to like, he's like, I'm going to look into it just to be nice. And then he's like, wait a second. This is like really messed up. They are like this is all just regular landfill stuff, quote unquote, but they have 55 gallon steel drums. Why do they need these? And they're like, oh, just, you know, for stuff, (laughs) you know, don't question it. (laughs) And so the more he looks into it, the more he finds all of this craziness. And I definitely recommend it to anyone who has any sort of interest in this. It definitely explains the beginning to the to kind of where we are now um well, really well i think a lot of it ha- is going on still right oh, with, absolutely. with these big corporations um i i want to hold on i want to pull this up real quick you might know who i'm talking about he's an environmental lawyer and he is going um he has these suits against uh these uh oil companies can't remember his name though um Sorry. No, you're fine. Uh, I wish I could. I have him on Instagram. You can go ahead and talk about no, something yeah, if you want. No, you're fine. <laughs> um, 3M was the original maker of these compounds and the this is 3m like the company where they have like stickers and stuff where you can hang things is that the same company that we're talking about probably 
Yeah, like I mean, a three M like, hook type of thing. Um, is it like literally three M? Yeah, yeah, that's that's three M. The the <laughs> the three M. Um, they were the first to work on it, and they ended up they they stopped because they were like everyone is dying on our line, we're getting cancer. Um, and they told Dupont under no circumstances should this go into the waterways, and yeah, uh, spoiler alert, they do. <laughs> they put it into the waterways. Um, so that definitely. So <laughs> he's an American attorney. His name is Stephen Donizer. I've never heard of him before. No. So, um, so Stephen Donizer is an American attorney known for his legal battles with Chevron, particularly the Lago Agrio oil field case in which he re- represented over 30,000 farmers and indigenous Ecuadorians in a class action lawsuit against Chevron related to environmental damage and health effects caused by oil drilling. It seems like it would be kind of the same thing, like the same general idea. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he was actually just put in jail. What? Yeah. Um, Hold on. Let me see if I can find... In September of 2021, the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights claimed that the pretrial detention imposed on Donizer was illegal and called for his release, having spent 45 days in prison and a combined total of 993 days under house arrest. Donizer was finally released on April 25th, 2022. Um, let Let me see why he was put in prison. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. This is the kind of stuff, like, and obviously PFAS is, like, a huge issue, but all sorts of environmental issues are. Yeah, I just feel this, <laughs> I feel like this goes along the same, yeah, same definitely. lines. Okay. It's just so scary to, like, realize how much, like, these people know that they're harming. Yeah, they know they're harming, and then because they have so much money, they can literally shut you up mm-hmm. if you decide to speak out against it. Yeah, and so it, it's I think, insane. <laughs> I just, I really don't, obviously, don't like that. <laughs> no, no, and you shouldn't. Nobody, nobody <laughs> no, should. Nobody should. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, like, we don't think about it. We don't. We don't think about these things because mm-hmm. it makes our life easier for one. And for two, when things like this happen, like overseas or in a different country, it doesn't affect us because yeah. we're, we're getting our oil. Yeah, so like, that's well, all that matters. I want oil prices or like I want gas prices to be lower. So whatever, yeah. whatever they have to do. Yeah. Whatever, like, whatever it takes. Oh man, I just really don't like cleaning pans. Like that just really <laughs> sucks. And so now, fine, you know, the <laughs> people who make it get cancer, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So attorneys for environmental lawyer Stephen Donizer said Thursday that he is serving the remainder of his six-month sentence for contempt of court at home under a pandemic-era early release program. Donizer tweeted Thursday afternoon, Danbury Prison officials released me this morning to serve the rest of my sentence 136 days at home. Donizer's legal team had requested his release under the CARES Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act, said Martin Garbus, one of his lawyers. The Federal Bureau of Prisons did not immediately... Rec- okay. Um, Donizer began serving his sentence at the Danbury Federal Prison on October 27th. A prison staffer contacted by phone could not confirm his release. The prison's website says it's operating under the strictest level of COVID med- modifications, including masking, screening, and social distancing. Jeez, that sucks. <laughs> You're in prison and you still got to follow all those things. Um Donizer, who was disbarred in New York last year, was found guilty of criminal contempt in July, including for failing to turn over his computer and other electronic devices in connection with his long-running legal battle with Chevron Corp or over oil pollution in Ecuador. That's right. I remember. So um, he was, Chevron hired their own lawyers to fight. I mean, obviously they hired their own lawyers, but I'm sorry. I I think, I think like the, um, the court system like had ties to them to Chevron somehow. And so like, it was obviously in their favor. Yeah. 
And yeah, he ended up getting contempt of court and went to prison. Actually, he was under house arrest and then went to prison. Yeah, I was like, definitely had that thought there for a second. I was like, hmm, I wonder like how true of a charge that is or if it was just some loophole that they could pull in order to like not have him be speaking out against them. Yeah. So hmm. it, it's yeah. like, it's hard to know when it's like in our own backyard. Yeah. Um, Like that is it, definitely easier. It's like, well, of course they're doing it in like Venezuela or Ecuador. Yeah. But they would never happen here. Yeah. And it's like, but it did. It did. <laughs> it did. And they cover it up mm-hmm. every time. And I think I think it's getting better, um, now that it's it's out there. But then it's also kind of like, well, what else are they pretending like? See, my thing is though. You say it's getting better. Um, I work for GM, and you know our plant that our facility that we work at, they call it an all green facility. So like, whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're still doing the same thing they've always done as far as building cars. I mean, so what's made it better? I mean, they're obviously not dumping oils and all that stuff into the ground purposefully, but I'm sure that yeah. stuff still seeps through, right? It's entirely possible. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know enough about the making cars process. No, but I'm, but I'm talking about just in anything in general. Uh, I'm talking about like just any manufacturing, any, any, any company that makes things. I mean. Better is a loose term because if you think of where we started, where they were just dumping it wherever, yeah, and like polluting people's like homes and not telling anyone about it, you know, it, it's pretty easy to be better than that. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Um, there's some legislation um, that's being currently worked on in Congress that would require manufacturers to list out any per floral uh, compounds that they have used and disposed of since 2011. Um, And so at least like being able to hold them accountable, I think is, I mean, that seems huge to me. Um, And I don't, I think that's like anything that has a lot of fluorines. It's not just like these couple of compounds. and the EPA is, in the next couple of years, is running a study that actually FiberTech is hopefully going to be a part of, um, where they are testing all sorts of different sites that uh, would deliver uh, drinking water to the general public. So um, every large stream, most medium streams, and then like... Uh, townships can apply to say like okay our medium stream isn't like required but we want it to be tested um and that data will go and be a part of the new regulations so we're going to be currently they monitor um or the the epa monitors 18 compounds in drinking water and they regulate 11 they regulate seven, um, but this new stuff, so, like, we're going to be testing or monitoring for 29 compounds, and so, basically, wow. that data is going to be, let the EPA people, like, okay, do we need to start regulating all 29? Can we regu- Do we need to regulate 20 of these 29? How big of an issue is it? How do you fix that once water's been contaminated? So there's some, um, you can get it, like absorb it out of the water using like granulated activated carbon. Um, that being said, eventually it will get too full and then you have all of this contaminated activated carbon, um, that could go into a hazardous waste landfill. Again, it's still existing. It's not gone anywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you can't really destroy it. Um, they are also trying to kind of find, like, are there microbes that can help get rid of it? Um, a lot of them will decompose into the same, like, 
10-ish compounds. So like all 60,000 will eventually like break down into these 10. And so um, that is a method that is definitely gaining traction in order to like be able to monitor for all of them um, and basically say, well, because we broke it down um, like just in our lab, we monitored or like we tested for these 10 and now we know how much there originally was in, but we don't know exactly which compounds. It's just like, that's the total amount of wow. fluorines. So it's, it's definitely hard. Are there some compounds that are um, stronger than others or more damaging than others? Definitely. Um, but they, they, there's no way to know which, which ones. So in general, the longer the chain and the more fluorines that are on it, the more damaging it is. They have come up with a new, totally safe one um, <laughs> that has been like the latest thing. Basically, they were told, you're not allowed to make these anymore. And they're like, okay, fine. We're just going to make it slightly different. <laughs> just, yeah. Um, just angle it a little, a little bit. <clears throat> yeah. And so, in theory, it's better because it's shorter and it has it has um, bonds within it that are easier to break. Um, it's not just like this giant chain of like really strong bonds. They like separate them up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Again, it's still not great, but it's better. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's in like the latest thing. It's called uh, the Gen X compounds. Okay. Um, and so there's also slight variations of that one. Um, that being, I think most independent scientists go, it's still probably not a good idea. Yeah. But um, we test for it and there's almost never any hits for it. Like we almost never see it. Um, we see a lot of other things, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I'll also say most drinking water is fine most of the time. Um, I don't like the way you said that. <laughs> um, it, they're pretty low levels, and a lot of the times, I don't want to like name any names of <laughs> cities, but basically, Flint? we haven't tested Flint's, but I'm, really? I'm sure that we probably would find it in there. But a lot of them that are known sites of like they have issues with their drinking water for other reasons is also they they have PFAS in them um so most luckily most of those um the people that live in those townships are already drinking bottled water <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like okay well how good is that for you though drinking bottled water because I mean plastics have contaminants in it um yeah I'm sure it has I'm, I'm drinking bottled water right <laughs> now but <Yeah. clears throat> um I'm, I'm sure it has a lot of various pollutants in it as well um so there's really no good way to really avoid it pretty much yeah yeah <laughs> wow. yeah this is a depressing podcast <laughs> uh, well yeah so i don't know that's basically my life is i i think about this a lot and i think about how um how screwed we are <laughs> um, how Screw do you think we are? I mean, is there a way to turn this around? What what could what could be done? I mean, obviously I would assume that the turn of like the industrial revolution is probably what caused a lot of this, right? Yeah. I I think personally, I think that we're screwed in way more ways than just PFOS. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess when you think of all of the various pollutants, um, that are out there at this point what could be done i mean because we would almost have to scale things back right we would have on to a massive 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 scale scale yeah i don't think that's a realistic option so <laughs> um yeah it just kind of is like if you're gonna make PFAS compounds, um, make them like this new Gen X that break down more easily and 
are less likely to cause cancers. Is that difficult to do? To make a compound like that? Like the Gen X? Um, I don't know. I feel like it probably is. Who makes these things? Mostly 3M and DuPont. Okay. Um, They also supply like standards for like laboratories in order to um, test against because, you know, we have to have something to say like Mm -hmm. we know this is so much. So how much is this sample? Um, And I... I, I like that because then it's like, okay, if you're going to at least put it on the market, at least let us, you know, test it and right. make it available for the public to kind of keep an eye on you. Um, Is there, there's not many people keeping an eye on them though, right? No, not really. Um, I mean, think about like how popular is environmental science. It should be a lot more it should popular. should be a lot more popular. Yeah. But it's, it's not. Um, and I think it's a lot more glamorous to say, like, ooh, I made this fancy new compound that water, it's water-resistant, fire-resistant, stain-resistant. Look at how awesome it is. We can use this for anything. Mm. We can use this for everything. Yeah. That's so, that's so much more money that, obviously, that's why they were – went on for decades while they knew they're like, ah, oh, there's some downsides, but whereas <laughs> <laughs> whereas environmental is just it's like, okay, you know, they're just trying to make I, I don't know. I it's it's an uphill battle for sure. Um when you look back in history, at what point did we start turning to like what at what point did we make a turn at like to focus on environmental problems, issues? When was like the first thing that you ever could recount of us trying to make a positive change? I feel like probably not until probably like right around the Vietnam War, like Agent Orange and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Where we were like, wait a second. <laughs> oh, we're, like, killing a bunch of people with this. Like, yeah, there's positives, but... And I don't think it really blew up until... the 90s at the late... at the at the earliest. Wow. Like, I, I mean... I just don't see it being... In, it's not in high demand. Like, unlike, you know fancy new pans <laughs> like those are in high demand um moisture wicking workout clothes that's a, people want that they don't want to be told everything is killing you <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot easier to just kind of pretend like it doesn't exist yeah definitely but for somebody like you it exists very much and it you probably drive yourself crazy thinking about it all the time I feel like I've become almost a little numb to it. Yeah. Um, How do you go through <laughs> through life knowing that you're just killing yourself on a daily basis and everybody around you is killing themselves and they don't even know? I don't know how to explain <laughs> how I do it. You're um, just like, eh, it is what it is at yeah, this point. Like at the, especially because like I work with very concentrated standards. I essentially like, I have a lot more exposure than an everyday person. Um, that in itself is, I mean, I've, I've just kind of accepted. I'm like, okay, like I get to kind of do something nice for the world and like test for these contaminants. But there's a negative side, which is I'm getting a lot more exposure to it. So what does your job consist of? You obviously work in a lab. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that look like? What's, what's, what is your daily routine in the, in the lab? Oh, man, I wish I had a daily routine. Like, I would like to but, know, like, what you do in the lab. Um, so we get our samples in, um, and it obviously depends on what kind we're working with. And we, our, our group preps them ourselves. Almost no one else in the building does a, a lot of their own prep, but... Um, 
but it definitely is beneficial for us to see the whole thing from start to finish. Um, we supplement these samples with a way to kind of like track what's going on inside of it. Uh, we call it an isotope, isotope dilution standard. Um, basically, they are, it's the same compound, but it's, um, has an isotope. So it has like, uh, instead of a carbon with 12 uh, protons it, or neutrons, I don't remember. <laughs> um, it has a carbon with 13. Okay. And so you're able to tell that difference. Um, that will react very similarly to whatever you're doing to the sample as the target compound. So, um, if the target compound is getting caught on a filter, it doesn't want to filter all the way through. So is that isotope. And so you can kind of say, okay, well, we only got 50% of our isotope, which means you're probably only getting 50% of the target compound. So you can kind of back calculate and say, okay, we think there's about X amount in the sample. Um, so we add that, we process it um, in order to, most of the time it's like extracting it into some sort of methanol because it prefers water over methanol. And so getting it to be into methanol is part of the whole process. Um, and we put it into a little vial Put it on our instrument, which is a liquid chromatography mass spectrometer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like in all the crime shows, they're like, our GCMS. It's, <laughs> it's kind of similar. Um, we have GCMSs at work, but we use an LCMS. Um, and it does its magic <laughs> and finds uh, it can basically count how much of these compounds are in it and lets us know and we work that data up um against our like calibration curve send that data to the client so that's a that's an average day uh that doesn't happen very often how long does it take to do a sample depends on what kind so we have a couple different options we have just like plain old soil that can take about four hours to get it prepped and running onto the instrument. Wow. Um, the waters take about two hours. If it's like a wastewater, we also have another water option that can see a lot lower. Um, so like wastewater option is like 10 parts per trillion is the lowest we can tell. Um, this other way concentrates it down a lot more, and we can see down to one part per trillion. Wow. Um, the EPA regulates at 70 parts per trillion. So there's that. And then we also have our drinking water, which is so difficult to do. <laughs> I hate working on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's my least favorite test to do. Um, and... Because it's very specific. You have to be totally exact or else your data isn't going to work. Mm. Um, and that takes almost all day. Wow. Uh, which is, again, why? Don't, <laughs> because you have to sit there and be so careful. Um, <clears throat> what What's the worst thing you've seen in drinking water? In drinking water, it's not, I'd say maybe like five or six part per trillion. I don't think I've seen much more than that. We've definitely never done a, we've never done a dilution, um, on it. So that's good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, we also a lot of times we get activated carbon, and we process that as a soil. We've done a thousand x dilutions on that. It is in the parts per million. Wow. It's <laughs> so much. Wow. Um, and it seems like one part per trillion is roughly a drop into an Olympic-sized swimming pool. Whoa. It seems like a small amount, but then you kind of consider, okay, this is so many parts per trillion in one glass of drinking water. 
I drink so many glasses. Mm, yeah. And like in the rainwater that they collected, it was um a hundred to four hundred parts per trillion. Whoa. And so, you know, don't drink your rainwater. <laughs> um wow. is there a way to filter that out though? Again, just in activated carbon. So like your Brita filters and your zero waters, use those. Please use do those. Do they work? They do. Um, there was the Wolverine shoe plant up in, I don't remember, it's in Michigan. Yeah. They ended up polluting the water around them with PFAS and they had to send giant tanks of granulated carbon out to the residents in order to clean their water and they test that water every single week. Whoa. In order to basically make up for their mistake. They're like, well, we... We polluted all this water, so now we have to put all this money into fixing our... And it's still not even a fix. It's wow. just... Just ma- maintaining. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, we can do this to prevent you from getting too sick. Whoa. Yeah. Um, John Oliver did a bit about PFAS. Um, a lot of, like, my information that I have learned throughout time has been, like, from that as well as, like, the Dark Waters movie and also just my own research. So I just wanted to, like, let people know that this I, I have gotten information from other sources um, and that those are some good sources to go check out. Okay, awesome. And he puts it in a fun way. <laughs> <laughs> it still is a call to action. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely, it, it's a lot more fun than this depressing, uh, we're all going to die of yeah. cancer. <laughs> well, I mean... We could literally die from anything. So, exactly. um, you know, we could die in a car accident. We could die. We could die by anything, literally anything. Um, so to focus on just this one thing that, oh, I'm going to die from this. I need to like yeah, not wear clothes or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, just yeah. to focus on that and that you're going to die from that. I mean, you literally could die from anything. So and I think that's um, part of like how I deal with the yeah. idea is like there's so many things that I, this one thing I'm, I'm not too worried about. Like I, I am, but also, like I said, I'm, I'm like numb to all of the things that are actively killing me. Right, right. Yeah, there's so many things that we're all like ingesting and taking in that could kill yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, if somebody from, I don't know, Congress or some sort of politician heard this, what would you tell them? Probably something along the lines of, I know you guys are working on it, but please, 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 for the sake of, like, all of your constituents, like, keep pushing it. Um, I Obviously, there's a lot that comes across your desk every single day, but, like, please keep in mind that, like, PFAS is, like, please go back to it. Um, don't let it just be in your stack of papers on your desk um yeah like it's there at least but yeah um and they're working on it slowly and surely um i want to kind of uh representative dan kildy and debbie dingle dingell i don't know they are both from michigan and they both um have introduced pfas uh, actions into into Congress, and so props on them. If you, I don't, whoever voted for them, good job. <laughs> They're doing a good job. <laughs> um, and there's there's a bunch more that have been happening in Congress, and so it's just like, please keep at it. Yeah, I um, yeah, I don't even know who those people are. <laughs> <laughs> I know I didn't vote for them. Um, <laughs> But I, I just think there's so much to pay attention to, you know, like, I mean, you're obviously, you work in that realm, so you pay attention to the, all that stuff. But, like, mm-hmm. for somebody like me, like, I don't pay attention to that because yeah. there's so many different things, so many different aspects yeah. of politics to pay attention to. Yeah. It's so difficult. But I I, I think that, I think, I, I don't know, it. I think to put the responsibility on politicians to manage these things is kind of a far reach like we should not be doing that I don't think like yeah ideally I think 
especially because I'm sorry, but especially because they accept money from all these different companies. Like they're yeah. backed by this. So they have like a reason to not push something or. Yeah. I just, I can't imagine a world where people are like individual people are boycotting these companies enough to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, you could try and appeal to their sense of human, like, sense of humanity of these like ceos of dupont and 3m and everything and be like i understand you're making money good for you but what if it was your kids what if it was your family um well i mean essentially it is I affecting mean, yeah. their kids and their families like, everybody and wears clothes still making i don't know it's just i don't understand how they don't care and I don't do they understand the the impacts of it I don't know. I mean, because, I mean, I'm sure they do, right? You would think they would be aware of the environmental effects. Maybe. I feel or, like they probably, at least, I don't know how far to the top it goes. Like, I could see, you know, the president and the CEO just being, like, delegating and just do whatever. But then there are, like, managers and stuff who are, like, telling Mm-hmm. You know, other companies don't put this in the waterways, no matter what you do. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But I don't know if that message came from you know the president. Right. So I don't. I don't know. And like most CEOs of companies aren't scientists. Yeah. So they, it's hard to explain it to people in a way that they're gonna understand the gravity of the situation. If you know they have. Um, little chemistry knowledge, which is part of why I wanted to come on here and you know try my best to explain it. <laughs> yeah, no, I I think you explained it pretty well for an idiot like myself. <laughs> um, I I understood most of it, so you know I really appreciate you you coming on and and talking about it. Yeah, because I was like I I want to have a sci- like I want to have scientists on. I want to have I want to have everybody on and any anybody who has something interesting to talk about, but. I'm really glad that you reached out and came on to talk about the pollution. Yeah, and I think more more people need to know about it. And and there's obviously, like, what I've been able to tell you today, there's obviously so much more, yeah. so many more nuances than I could even try to explain over a podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, we would have to have, like, five hours. <laughs> yeah, and, like, it would have to be, like, a whole video of, like, me writing on a whiteboard <laughs> and, and I'm we could do that <laughs> and like I'm just I only have a bachelor's like there's so many more wow. people out there who have so much more knowledge about this yeah than even I do yeah so but nobody understands when they talk <laughs> <laughs> it's like you gotta find a middle ground of like okay I know all this information how do I how do I relate it? It? Yeah. yeah which is yeah. again like why I'm I'm recommending you know that movie Dark Waters and um John Oliver's bit because they do both of those have a they explain it in a really good way um so john oliver's bit Um, is it where can that be found honestly i think i just googled john oliver pfos we are googling for the people who are just (laughs) listening (laughs) Yeah, so it, I just googled John Oliver PFAS. There's a it's a 20 minute video on on YouTube mm. last week tonight with John Oliver. Last week tonight is what it's called. Yep. Oh, okay, I got it. <laughs> I got it. I'm gonna watch that. So I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> I do. I'm sure I will. Yeah. I'll probably go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> um, there is another link. Um, it's ewg.org slash PFAS map. Um, and it highlights basically all the known areas where there's like significant PFAS contamination. Um, Michigan is lit up. <laughs> really yeah we have a lot of pfos contamination in this state why 
I think we have a lot of um, manufacturers of it. Mm. Um, I know Wolverine was ma- manufacturing it just for like their shoes. Um, and I, I know of, uh, there's gotta be more, um, I know that there are more, I can't think of what they are off the top of my head, Yeah, but yeah, we have, um, a lot of manufacturers of, of it. Like I said, um, Michigan government and, uh, Eagle, the environmental agency of Michigan has, we are also one of the best states, like we have one of the best responses to PFAS. So there is that. Interesting. <laughs> That's really interesting. Um, because I think they, they understand that it is such an issue. Yeah. Um, so what yeah. was the website again? EWG PFOS? Uh, EWG.org. Oh, dot org. Slash PFOS map. Okay. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, What else do you have written down? We have five <laughs> minutes. We can go for five more minutes. We've only gone for 55 minutes. <laughs> and you ended this podcast on doom. Oh, see. <laughs> I feel like I, I ended the podcast on doom. It's, it's all of it is doom. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the positives that I had was that the, the government is taking it seriously. Yeah. That's, that's a positive. There's some remediation that is able to be done. Um, not all hope has been lost. Yeah. Um, is there yeah. anything that you actively try to avoid that would have PFOS in it? I th- think I don't just because I have so much exposure anyway. Yeah. Um, I would say my recommendation in order to reduce your exposure, filter your water. <laughs> um, get rid of your couch. Stand. <laughs> get rid of your carpet. Get rid of your couch. Get rid of all your clothes. No. Don't have a bed. <laughs> Um, don't ever eat anything, uh, all good things. No. Yeah. Um, all that works. Yeah. Um, just like be mindful of it and be aware, th- just like, I think knowing that your, you know, fire or not, <laughs> we don't all have fire resistant <laughs> clothing. <laughs> um, um, your waterproof clothing is, is like that, that has it. And, you know, it, it's not just, like, really scratching off again. Like, the, the thing with the the pans was, oh, just don't overheat it. Don't scratch it. Mm. Um, and so I feel like that's kind of similar in, in your clothes. It's, like, it's such, because you're not, you know, setting them on fire or, <laughs> or like, really, really breaking, like, that coating that's on these fibers I said it's all it's all low um it's just the bioaccumulation that is it's not leaving our bodies um and if if it is it's very very slow um and I think one of the there's some scientists that's like oh well it does break down into hydrofluoric acid (laughs) in our bodies so you know if you want hydrofluoric acid in your body wow (laughs) Okay, cool. This yeah, that doesn't sound good. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, they, he references it in, in John Oliver's uh, mm. thing. So. so. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Anything else you want to mention? Oh, not that I can think of at the moment. You're going to leave here and be like, oh, I should have said that. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but. No, I, I really appreciate being able to share what I know of PF, PFAS. Um, yeah. And it's obviously not everything, but it's probably more than most people. And so I I really like being able to share what I'm passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. And it helps bring some awareness to, to it because I honestly didn't know anything about it. 
And I didn't even know that there was a company company just up the street testing for this. So there's um, FiberTech in Holt, and then there's Merit Laboratories in East Lansing. Okay. And obviously the state lab. Okay. Uh, and you work for FiberTech. Sure do. Awesome. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for doing this. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely.